You're listening to the Recosto Podcast. I'm your host, John Champion. Welcome to episode 12. Remember, you can find the podcast on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Radio Public, and so many places that podcasts are played. We've got a great episode. On this show, we're going to talk about what defunding a police department looks like. And we've got a very exciting interview with a person from an organization that I can't wait to tell you about. This organization focuses on education, reading, writing, math, and science, and they do this by providing an after-school program during the school year and a summer camp program to help children retain the information they've learned throughout the year. They also offer a basic computer education class for single moms and other members of the underprivileged and underserved communities. Their mission overall is to help raise the level of consciousness among black people from an educational, spiritual, mental, psychological, social, political, and economic aspect. I've got so much more to share with you, and I can't wait for you to meet founder-director of KCSSU, Kevin Bobbitt. That, plus one of the greatest rap groups ever, has a brand new song, and it fits perfectly. It couldn't have come out at a better time. We're going to take a listen and tell you where you can find this brand new song by Public Enemy and when you're going to get more new PE music. All that information is coming up. Stay with us on the Recosto Podcast. And we're back on the Recosto Podcast. I'm your host, John Champion. And our feature topic for this episode, what does defunding a police department look like? And calls to defund police departments have greatly increased after the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis and the murder of Richard Brooks in Atlanta. So, what does defunding the police mean? From a New York Times article, calls to defund police departments are generally seeking spending cuts to police forces. Now, in Minnesota, for example, they're looking to cut $200 million from the budget that's already $1.3 billion overall annually. The police budget in 2020 was $189 million, and they hope to shift that money to other areas of need in this city, which makes a lot of sense. Because a lot of times these police departments are like large little military units. Now, if the money doesn't go to policing, where would it be spent? Now, many people want the money that's now spent on overtime for the police or expensive equipment to be shifted to programs related to mental health, housing, and education. These are areas that activists say with sufficient money could bring about societal change and cut down on crime and violence. Now, I'll give you some examples. Some of the ideas for rethinking police. Um, Proposals calling for ends to no-knock warrants and, again, those military-style raids. Um, You know, we want to cut down on military-style gear to police departments and overall change the tactics that police use against the public. 
uh, now. It's been done other places. Some cities have already made changes to policing. In Austin, Texas, for example, 911 calls are answered by operators who ask the question, do you need police, fire, or mental health services? Think about that for a second. It's a major, major change to public safety. And they did that last year. The, the city of Austin has also added millions of dollars to the budget for mental health issues. In Oregon, a team called Cahoots, Crisis Assistance Helping Out on the Streets, sends out a medic and a crisis worker with mental health training to emergency calls. Camden, New Jersey, revamped their policing in 2017, and now their officers hand out more warnings than tickets, and they actually undergo training that places emphasis on police officers holding their fire. So, we're not saying abolish the police forever, there not be any type of law enforcement at all, or asking for is a reallocation of funds. They're asking for more people to care. The entire system of policing, you can trace this back, like, I, like I've said before, if you look at the movie 13th, you know, the whole notion that certain communities, black, had to be policed and, you know, looked over, watched over, overseen. It's like this mentality has never gone away. And so, uh, we really need to change these tactics. Police officers need to be retrained. And uh, if they can't be retrained, again, if we can't break this thin blue line, the best thing to do is just to abolish this, this type of law enforcement because it just creates a culture. People are taught in their training early on that a criminal looks like, you know, a 5'8 to 6'5 black male with, uh, you know, brown eyes, black hair, and a hoodie, shoot first, ask questions later. So the, um, the tactics need to change. And um, I support uh, options to defund police because the, uh, the system that is used now is, uh, is not progressive and it's not helping, it's not helping uh, the black community. We've got more coming up. Keep listening. Our interview is next. You listen to the Recosto podcast, and I am joined by a great individual. I had the pleasure of working with him on an event at the North Carolina Museum of Natural Science. Uh, wow, I want to say it wasn't a year ago. It feels like it was a long time ago. But um, man, my guest today is Kevin Bobbitt. He is the founder and director of Comedic Cultural Science and System of Unity. Uh, thanks for joining me today. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me, brother. Man, you do so many great things with young people in the community. And I always would see the bus and the logo and see how beautiful it was when I was driving around town. And I would say, man, that looks like something straight off an Earth, Wind, and Fire album cover. And little did I know how much more there was to learn. Now, you brought a lot of great, smart young folks with you to that event at the Museum of Natural Sciences. Can you tell me a little bit more about your background and what got you wanting to help youth? And what have you experienced? 
Uh, yes, first let me say to the audience out there, Anaka Saw, Abibi Fahodier, African Liberation, um, Black Liberation. Um, Comedic Cultural Science and System of Unity. We're KCSSU. KCSSU, about my background, I'm not going to go all the way back, but I like to start where my journey started, my spiritual journey, when I was in federal prison, um, serving a 10-year sentence for possession of a firearm. And I was in the laundry room one day, and one of my neighbors, a brother from D.C., a good brother, he was a Rastafarian, he asked me, he said, um, Kip, he said, um, what do you do with your time besides, you know, play basketball, play chess and read um, novels? And, you know, I said, I do what I want to do. You know, I'm a grown man, but I didn't say it in those terms because, you know, we was in federal prison. So, you know, I used a few expletives. And he asked me, he said, well, why don't you do something productive, you know, like educate yourself so you can help yourself, help your family, you know, help the community out. And I said again, because I do what I want to do. Right. But that night when I was laying in my in my bunk, I thought about what the brother said. And I said, you know, the brother is right. Why don't I do something that's going to help me, empower me and my family in my community? So the next morning um, I saw the brother and I asked him what was the name of the book that he had recommended for me to read. And he said, The Miseducation of the Negro by Carter G. Woodson. So I went to the library um, and I found the book. And when I started reading the book, it just opened my eyes to a lot of things of how my whole life I had been miseducated with a consciousness that wasn't mine. It was a consciousness that in a, in a sense was imposed on us through the capture of our ancestors in Africa, bringing them over here, enslaving us for over 300 and something years. Um, everything that happened after that with the Jim Crow laws. So it made me want to, it gave me a thirst and a hunger to study more. And so I went and got um, the message to the black man by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And before I was halfway through with that book, I had went to the Brothers in the Nation of Islam in the Chow Hall, and I was signing up. And um. <laughs> And, you know, I moved through the nation fast as far as with my study in the 120. I learned that in less than two weeks. And so I noticed something about myself that I kind of had a knack for learning spiritual things. Right. And so um, I stayed in the nation about 16 months and I studied, you know, all sorts of religion, um, comparative studying. And um, when I found Kemet, the land of the blacks, um, our origin, that's when I went home. Um, to Africa, and then that's when I basically became comedic, and I decided, well, I want to do my part in helping our people out, especially our children, because it starts when we're small to give them the proper knowledge, because it's a knowledge that I wish I would have had when I was younger, and then I would have been on the right path my whole life, but I take my time in prison. It was like a university for me. Um, I studied a lot of different um, subject matters, and so I decided, well, when I got out, I put my organization together while I was in, my business plan. I had two of my admin assistants, um, Linda Darton and Felicia Mitchell, assisted me the whole while while I was on the inside. Right. So when I came out, you know, I hit the ground running. Um, we had a book bag giveaway over there in Raleigh North Apartments where I grew up, and they were so excited. The whole community came out. We gave away 200 and 75 book bags and we came gave we fed the whole community and built a relationship with the management 
they started letting us use the community center there and we started having classes and um you know we've been enrolling since and you know as we continue you know i'll be able to share more things that we did with the organization man that is awesome like i said i see and i totally understand that if we don't teach our people like i said starting at a young age that they're beautiful and capable and intelligent it can lead to all kinds of consequences yes you know? exactly tell me about I'm, and i'm looking at your brochure Man, I'm so excited to talk to you because I'm, I'm reading about the rites of passage and so many great things. Tell me about the principles of your organization. Yes, yes. Well, we go by the principles of Mayat. That's one of the principles we start with, which is divine love, peace, unity, order, balance, harmony, reciprocity, truth, righteousness, and justice. And we understand that when we balance ourselves by living these principles, understanding them, that our ancestors put these principles down, and that's how they was able to start civilizations. Um, we are the mothers and fathers of civilization, and also all the sciences of life. Um, other principles that we, we live by are Shetuat Netta. And Shetuat Netta are the mysteries of nature, or the mysteries of creation, or the mysteries of God, dealing with science, dealing with um, well, really, all the sciences dealing with nature, um, dealing with existence, um, dealing with manifestation. So, Shetuat Netta is basically in a sense where God instructs us, you know, and the first, the first lesson in Shetuat Netta is Shetuat Netta enjoins that spiritual enlightenment, the knowledge of self. That's the main purpose of life, to understand who you are, not only as an individual, but who we are as a collective whole. Because a lot of times what we do is we separate ourselves. That's why when we say Anukka Saw, basically what we're saying, I'm one with the universe, or I'm one with the creator, I'm one with God. Another one is Shetuat Netta enjoins, it instructs us of Shetty, which is investigation, spiritual investigation. Investigate all things in life. Let's go to the heart of the matter. Go to the root and let's look at it with a spiritual eye so we can see things clearly. Shetuanet also enjoins us on um, protection of the elderly, protection of the young, the proper raising of the young, and the education. Shetuanet also teaches us the protection of nature, our environment, the protection of our resources. It also teaches us the equality between all people. And that's a big one. Shetuat Netta in the African tradition teaches us equality between all people. Shetuat Netta also teaches us equality between men and women. So these principles are the divine. And once we learn these principles, what it does, it gets us more in tune with who we are, our true identity, our true nature, and it brings us together as a people. And in that way, we can basically move forward and have success. Man. That's beautiful, and it's a lot deeper than than a lot of people would see right off, and it's a whole lot more to our culture and our traditions than Juneteenth. <laughs> yeah, yes, indeed. You know what I'm saying? Now, you were telling me you've studied many religions, and I was fascinated listening to your passion um, for teaching and how excited you get about it, and you were talking to me recently, we were on the phone, you were talking about Pan-Africanism. Tell me why it's so important. Well, yes, Pan-Africanism is so important because Pan-Africanism involves every black man, woman, and child on the planet. And it's a unification where we understand 
that we have a collective power, regardless of religion, ideology, or philosophy. But when we understand that we are one people from the motherland, basically it brings unity. And Pan-Africanism is a concept, the father of it is Marcus Garvey. Mm -hmm. Marcus Garvey was a great man. Um, and one book that I would suggest is Marcus Garvey, The Philosophy and Opinions of Marcus Garvey. And he has a whole lot of lessons in there. And what he was able to do was travel the world. And he noticed the same thing in the world back then in 1919 that's going on today. And that was the oppression of black people, the work conditions of black people, the police brutality of black people, the murder of black people, and just the overall oppression of black men, women, and children. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, people who looked like him that was in his organization kind of turned against him and that's a lesson that we have to learn from today as black people the importance of sticking together and moving in the same direction and understanding that we are family so pan-africanism is something that when we really understand it that it's not a religion it's something basically that's work dealing with all black people on the planet where we can understand that we do have a collective power. But what we do, unfortunately, is we separate ourselves from one another globally. Um, one of the things I like to use an example is here in the United States, there are approximately 40-something to 50 million of us, African-Americans, right? But globally, there's over 2 billion. So when you do the math, we don't even make up 1% of the total black population on the planet Earth. So if we understand that if we can connect and build bridges with our brothers and sisters in Africa and throughout the diaspora. And the diaspora basically is all African that's not on the motherland. You don't have to be born on the motherland, but if you just have African in your blood, basically you're not on the motherland, you're considered in the diaspora. And one thing I would like to bring up is um, the um, former permanent ambassador for the African Union mm -hmm. here in the United States. Dr. Arakana Chiaboy quote, um, she was the permanent ambassador and she was doing an incredible job. And she got dismissed last October by the chairman of the um, African Union. And the reason why they dismissed her because she was trying to bridge the gap between the Africans in the diaspora and the Africans on the continent. And one of the main things that she spoke on was the Berlin Conference. In the Berlin, she also spoke on the transatlantic slave, the legacy of the transatlantic slave trade, and the legacy of the Berlin Conference. And the Berlin Conference is when the European Union they got together in 1884 and 1885, and they decided that they were going to stop fighting each other over Africa. So that's why you have all these different countries in Africa, and they've been exploring Africa ever since with these false boundaries. And the reason why they want to take over Africa, even though they paint a picture of Africa as a poor country, it's the richest continent on the planet. It has all the resources that the planet needs. All these cell phones, computers are made with coal and coating. They come from Africa. The nuclear weapons, the uranium, comes from South Africa. Um, when you talk about diamonds, you talk about gold, you talk about 
all the minerals. So what they did was they invaded Africa so that they can take our resources and basically in a sense abuse the people, force religion on the people, Christianity and Islam, and take the people out of their original nature through oppression. And then after that, the slave, I'm where the slave trade came before that. So Dr. Connor, Chilboy quote, she was doing an incredible job and she was a voice for the black people. And that's what we have to have. We have to have strong leadership in our communities because it's going to be important for us to understand that we're in this with our brothers and sisters from a pan-African perspective, a global perspective. And as we can see what's taking place in the world, everything is global. The pandemic is global. The protest has been global. So there is no reason why us as black people can't come together globally and understand that we can have world power once we pull together and take back control of the resources in Africa. And then we can come up out of this oppression that we've been facing. Man, I am really enjoying talking to you. I am talking with Mr. Kip, Kevin Kip Barber. He is the founder and director of KCSSU and uh, got more great questions for him. Now, with all this going on right now in America, uh, very turbulent times, we are seeing the whole world, like you said, get excited and stand up for black people. Uh, our people have been through it. Slavery, Jim Crow, the war on drugs, so much more, and, and the things you're talking about. Now, I'm not a negative person all the time. Sometimes I am, but do you think we are really seeing true change or it's just just a passing thing and i'll give you an example like after 9 11 happened people just jumped up everybody said oh it's all about one country one pay well one country well one people we're all united and it, ha and it lasted for like a weekend and then you people were driving around with american flags waving at each other before you knew it it was over and it was just back to the same thing do you think do you think we're gonna get some change Yes, I think we're going to get change because um, the young people are really stepping up and they are learning from history. And they are learning from history that if they don't keep it hot, if we don't keep the pressure on, that basically things will go back to the way they were. As we can see, um, the police are putting up a fight because they want to still have the authority to abuse black men, women, and children, whatever they want to. So it's a great thing that the whole world is standing up against this injustice. And, you know, the um, the old guard, they're doing everything in their power to try to hold on to the power that they have. And like everybody knows, power concedes to nothing without a demand. And the demands are being made, but the thing of it is, is we have to keep the subject matter going we got to keep the protest going and more than anything we have got to change our consciousness it has to be a revolution of the mind as dr khalid muhammad taught because that's true revolution when we th change the way we think and the only way we're going to change the way we think is through basically studying research understanding our culture history getting a part being a part of an organization a study group a book club anything that's going to expand our consciousness because if our consciousness isn't expanding it's contracting and we don't want that to happen because once that happens it shuts off all oxygen and you know we got to have oxygen to breathe and that's what happened to our dear brother george floyd they cut off his oxygen and our oxygen has been cut off for a long time and now 
I feel like everybody is tired of it. The whole world is tired of it. Even Europeans are tired of it. But unfortunately, the Europeans that are tired of it aren't the Europeans with the power. So we have to keep the pressure on and we keep the pressure on and keep educating ourselves. And then we're going to be able to see change. But change comes in increments, a little bit at a time. So we can't take our eye off the prize. We got to keep it hot. We got to keep educating ourselves, keep educating our children. We got to reach out to our professionals, um, lawyers, um, judges, doctors, psychologists, psychiatrists. And they have to understand that they have a responsibility also to our race. And they can't sit by and watch the injustices that's basically imposed amongst our people the way a lot of black police officers have done. And that's another thing basically that's important when they talk about the good cops and the bad cops. To me, that's a routine that's played out in the academy. They always teach the good cop, bad cop routine. They teach that in training. Yes, they uh -huh. teach it in training. But if the cook, good cop was so good, it wouldn't be so many bad cops because they would weed them out. So we really have to take a look at the justice system. And the officers really do need to be retrained. And I'm, I'm all for defunding the police, dismantling them. Because I feel like a whole new system has to be incorporated as far as policing. Because we as black people, we do not trust the police and it's for a reason. And we shouldn't be fearful for our lives just by walking outside. I, I, I feel your pain. I know exactly what you're saying. Let's talk more about unity among black people. What can we do to pull together? That's a great question. And one that I, I, I take delight in answering. Um, first thing we got to do is get on the same frequency, um, psychologically and mentally. And I feel like one of the, the things that hold us back is not accepting our true identity as African people, because we all know, and we share this with the children all the time. And I ask them, what's the strongest part of a tree? And they say the root, right? Because within the root, that's where all the nutrients, all the secrets to make a tree grow to be strong and sturdy and it's the same for man so once we go back to our roots we start to understand who we are as a people how great our ancestors are and not only our ancestors but how great we are as a people today and we prepare for the future make sure that our children have everything they need well equipped have all the opportunities and everything they need to be successful in this world i love it now give me the big picture why don't some white people and systems want this unity to happen? What do they stand to lose? Well, they feel in their mind they have a lot to lose, which is world power. Um, and that's something that we as African people, as black people, we can't be afraid of is power because power is important. It's like if you don't pay your light bill, you don't have no power in the house, you can't see. So you got to have power to have sight and to be able to have direction. So we have to build a collective power. And also it's important to understand that the Europeans, white people, they make up 10% of the total population on the planet Earth. And people of color, black people, and um, other nationalities make up 90%. So they're trying to maintain control and domination and they do it in a number of ways. They do it economically, they do it through health, they do it through technology. They do through it through they do it through education, um, and so all these institutions within the institution is built white supremacy. 
Like, and basically, that's how they've been able to maintain their power. So with the world standing up, what they're afraid of, if black people, if we all get on the same page, it's so many of us that they won't have the power that they have. They're not fearful of us enacting any type of torture or um, retribution in a way that's going to be violent because that's not in our nature to um, commit those type of atrocities that were committed against us. You know, all the rapings and the hangings and the burning at stakes and, you know, separating families and, you know, taking a woman's child and smashing their head. When we don't do that. It's not in our DNA. It's not in our spirit, in our mind to do anything like that. So that's not what they're scared of. They're just scared that they won't be able to control things and have world power. And that's why one of the big things at KCSSU that we focus on is the political aspect and having a philosophy and ideology of unity amongst us as a people so that when we can develop those leaders within our families, within our communities, and globally, basically to sit at the table at the United Nations and have representatives that represent black people. I love it. I love it. Now, systematic racism, we are talking earlier, has held so many people back, and still, so many people don't think it's a thing. You know, uh, we know it's real. And how do we make people understand that black unity and black self-respect aren't a threat to others, and that we deserve to be recognized and accepted, like I said, at the United Nations? And Right. Well, I really don't think that people see us as a threat, but it's just been in the psychology of most races that to look at black people as the bottom of the totem pole, when in actuality, it's the opposite, because we are the original people here on the planet Earth. And, you know, all the scientists have, you know, proven this and stated this, and that all other races come from us. So we have the power and we see it a lot. You know, we see it in the in the athletics, we see it in the entertainment, and we also see it in the intellectual community. But unfortunately, a lot of times we take on an ideology that's European based instead of African based. And some of our, our great thinkers basically they don't have the knowledge of self. And the knowledge of self, and that's not to be critical of anybody, but the knowledge of self is going back to your origin and going deep within your spirit, within your mind, and meditating and astral traveling and learning things basically that you can't learn here on the physical. And that's an African thing. And that's why a lot of times when people have dreams, they know the dream means something. That's just something in our spirit. Just like when we hear music and when we hear drums, the way we're able to move, we move like no other people on the planet. And it's the same thing with our minds. Once we get in tune with who we are as a people. So what we try to do is help to nurture and help the children to cultivate their minds and their spirits because it's important to understand we learned this from agriculture and of course you know we started agriculture in Africa and we understood and we understand today that in order to plant good crops right 
You have to make sure that you take out all the weeds, all the rocks, anything that's going to obstruct the growth of whatever it is that you plant. And it's the same thing with the mind. So what we try to do is remove the falsehood and the false ideologies that are imposed on our children at a young age. Because once you take them obstructions and then they're able to see things for what they are and then that way they can grow up to be healthy. And we and the children are like crops. We want them to grow up to be healthy and we want them to be fruitful and we want them to take this message and take this mission and push it even further than what we can do right now. Understood. Now tell me more about the Rites of Passage program. Yes, the Rites of Passage program is very important. That's a old African tradition. We have a Rites of Passage for the boys and we have a Rites of Passage for the girls because in my eye, it takes balance, right? And two complementary halves. The family structure is so important, man, woman, and child. That's something that we have gotten away from as a people because it was, in a sense, when they came with uh, the child support and things of that nature, it divided the family where the woman can't have a man in the house. And so all these things are, are tricks that the system used to keep us unstable and keep us divided. Okay. So the rites of passage is getting prepared, the boys, for what it is to grow up to be a black man. So we try to teach them the things like discipline, integrity, um, we try to help them build their character. Um, we help them with their reasoning. And one of the things we focus on is yoga. And not only the physical yoga, but the mental part of yoga. Because when you're doing yoga, yoga is a union between yourself and the creator or God. And you can accomplish yoga through meditation. You can accomplish it through the wisdom teachings, which help with reasoning. You can accomplish it through Mayat, and Mayat is, in a sense, righteous action, the things that we do. And then, also, we practice yoga through devotion, devotion to God, or devotion to the Creator, or our ancestors, or to one another. And these things are important, so we teach these children these principles in the rites of passage, so that they'll be grounded. We meditate with the children, yoga with the children, we play the drums, we play libation with the children. We let the children participate in Lego robotics competitions where they learn about architect, engineering, designing, creative thinking, um, working with their hands, coding, and it really helps the children to expand their mind and, and they see things basically that they wouldn't be able to see if they weren't in a program like we have KCSSU. So we really, um, we really enjoy the Rites of Passage program. Um, our our staff is incredible. Our staff is made up, we have like 12 Jagnas. And Jagna is what Europeans would consider a mentor, but a Jagna is an African term that it's a it's a title of distinction for an African man or African woman, black man or black woman who protects the children, educates the children, teaches on the culture, and protects the elderly and understands the importance of unity. So it's a high honor to be a Jagna and the, the staff we have of Jagnas are incredible. They put together wonderful presentations. Um, we take the children, you know, on field trips in the park and we, we even took them to Atlanta where they met um, 
the um, NASA engineer, um, Dr. Lonnie Johnson, who invented the Super Soaker. So we just try to expose the children to as much as possible because all of our children are brilliant. They have brilliant minds and basically the spirit and they bright eyed, wonderful spirits, loving children. And they just light up every time we pick them up in the bus. And this is an important time for our children. I talked to a couple of my students the other day, brothers, they called me and um, they was asking me when we're going to pick them up again. I said, well, we got to make sure that this pandemic is under control and it's safe. And then I started talking to the two brothers and I and I and I told them, I asked them, I said, now y'all understand why it's so important that we pay attention when we having our lessons and having class. They said, yeah, because we got to have unity. I said, because you see the way they're killing our brothers and sisters out here in the streets. And so we trying to put protection on the children. And the first way you put protection on anybody is with your mind and being able to see clearly and think clearly. And that's why the yoga of wisdom is so important because it helps with the reason. Man, I'm really enjoying talking to you. I'm so glad you've uh, taken the time out to spend some time to talk to me today. Something else that's on my mind like we're talking about education and reaching to young people and sometimes it seems like we are so behind in education and healthcare and so many things in our community and we just talk and this virus is wiping out our people fast what advice do you have for people as we fight this battle to try to stay healthy to try to stay aware and alert that's a great question I was watching a video and the doctor was, he had an acronym, acronym, New Start. And he was saying that we have to build our immune systems up. And New Start is, the N is for nutrition. Mm -hmm. So we got to watch what we eat. He said eat plenty of berries and vegetables, right? Mm -hmm. The E is for exercise. You know, and I got to get back to exercising. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I love the exercise. Exercising. That's very important. The third is water. We got to make sure that we hydrate ourselves. You know, and water, you know how when you drink water, it just make you feel good. You feel like it's the best thing on the planet. And then the S is for sunshine, right? To get that sunshine. That's right. And the T is for temperance, right? We got to have the right temperance and understanding what's going on and things of that nature. And then we have air. Air is very important, you know, to be able to breathe fresh air and then we have rest we have to get proper rest the aura is for rest and then the other thing is t trust other so that's one way to help us stay healthy and of course you know wear our mask and try you know to make sure that we practice the social distancing that has been recommended for us and to just you know make sure that we are you know we stay on our toes and also make sure that we're able to get a doctor that we can trust. You know, and that's why I always feel like it's important for our professional doctors, black doctors, African-American doctors, for them to really get involved and raise their voices too, to make sure that we get the, the proper treatment. Because i never forget when I saw a video of a young lady, European lady from Nevada, and she was crying so hard. Um, she was in New York. She had went there to volunteer and she said they were just killing the black people, the doctors and the nurses. She said that they was killing them, giving them 
wrong medicine, using wrong procedures, and they told her, well, you can't save everybody. And she felt like that was the wrong concept. Mm -hmm. You know, and her life is priceless. You know, that's why when they talk about black lives matter, black lives have always mattered. This is nothing new. Black lives have always mattered. You cannot put a value on life. Our life hey, is priceless. All black people's life is priceless. Gotcha. I really appreciate it. We have, we've had a great conversation. Is there anything I've left out or anything you'd like to add? Yes, I'd just like to um, encourage everybody out there to, you know, keep fighting, keep protesting. And more than anything, let's stand up for what's right. Because being righteous is the way to go. Um, having understanding and having unity. And if we're going to make this world a better place, it's going to take everybody doing their part not just one or two people but everybody doing their part and i'm just so proud of so many people who are stepping forward and it's tired of the the global injustice that has been done um to the black man and also i would like to um you know thank you brother for for having me and, and before i go i would like to say one more thing and that is kcssu you know we have a lot of partners we have um the city of parks and recreation St. Matthew AME Church, where we um, do our after-school program. Crosby Garfield, where we do our Rights of Passage program and Lego Robotics. And we partner with St. Augustine's University and Shaw University, where they come and help um, our organization, KCSSU, along with um, my good friend, in Indiana um, Pacers head coach, um, Nate McMillan. St. Right. Augustine Shaw, they bring about 25 students and faculty to our events and they help pass out the book bags they do an incredible job it's so inspiring for the young children to see you know young black students 18 19 20 21 years old in college the students be out there stepping and it's very very inspiring the whole community come together um it's a big event and they also participate in helping us with our children mentoring and tutoring them um in the after school program Right, I'm a St. Our grad, so go, go Falcon. Go Falcon. All right. Now, now, how can people get in touch with you? You've given, you've given so much great information. How can people get in touch with you if they want their kids in the program, or if they want to donate, or volunteer, learn to be a Jenga? Uh, what can they do? How can they contact you? They can contact me. They can email me at kcssunity at gmail dot com um or if you want to donate you can go to our website kcssu.org if you would like to sign your children up you can either go to the um email because we looking for brothers and sisters who are serious about change and really want to see african liberation and see our people have a chance to really prosper and be a world power one day because we can make it happen a knuckle saw a bb for 48 african liberation Black Liberation. All right. Thank you so much. You're listening to the Record Store Podcast. Thank you so much for spending time to talk to me, Mr. Bobbitt. And uh, now I've got I've got your, your Gmail. I've got your uh, website. Uh, but we are on Facebook, um, Comedic Cultural Science and System of Unity. So you can reach out to me um, any way you want to. We're going to make this thing happen. All right. You're listening to the Record Store Podcast.
Now we're back on the Rekka Stowe podcast. Now, Public Enemy is back with a new song, a protest song. And he's trying turbulent times, truly needed. Oh, yeah. I'm almost 50, and I'm a huge fan of this group. I saw them live at the height of their popularity in a stadium in Charlotte. It was July 1990. The show was supposed to be Heavy D and the Boys and Public Enemy. An accident on the road took the life of one of Heavy D's dancers and close friends, Troy Dixon, Trouble T. Roy. Listen to They Reminisce Over You. Google it. Now, Digital Underground replaced Heavy D and the Boys on the Tour. Fun fact there. Two backup dancers for the underground on that show. Tupac Shakur and Tretch of Naughty by Nature. That's right. Before they were legends, they had to start somewhere. So um, that's how those guys met. And that's uh, how first time I was introduced to them. And that's it. So this is before they had hits in 91. Now my favorite public enemy moment. Uh, I remember putting on my headphones, popping in the cassette single of Welcome to the Terror Dome into my Sony Walkman, and getting off the city bus to go to work. Yeah. All I can say is, the way that song starts, to me, it's a straight up cultural, beautiful attack on the senses. The drums, the samples, the productions, the ad lib. It's amazing. Chuck D has the best voice in hip-hop. Fight me. No question about it. Now, some people are beat people. I'm a lyrics guy. And definitely a voice guy. That powerful, confident voice with intelligent, witty, insightful lyrics. You can't beat it. He had something to say. Now, I'm also a fan of Flavor Flav. Uh, even portrayed him in a lip sync contest in high school, but I didn't do him justice. Not at all. That honor goes to my late friend Tim Barnwell, R.I.P. Naughty. My favorite P.E. album, Yo Bum Rush the Show. I love the first four albums. 87 to 91 really shaped my young adult life. Uh, the singles, my favorites. Uh, time bomb um, just that funky guitar groove on the drums party for your right to fight I love the way uh, they you know engineer it so that you hear Chuck coming out of one speaker and Flav coming out of another uh, terrific brother's gonna work it out great song uh, shut them down and uh, get the fuck out of Dodge all their music was timely I love the songs I love the videos I love the positive messages and the calls to action. I've got links to uh, the song, the lyrics, and press release, and more. I've got more Public Enemy songs in the show description. And I'm going to read you a little something from that press release. Let's see. Public Enemy have returned with an explosive new protest song called State of the Union STFU. Produced by DJ Premier. Yeah, that's right. The legend. Uh, The track sees Public Enemy take a fiery return to the front lines as they take on Donald Trump and his fascist regime. That's according to the press release. 
Uh, the release continues an unflinching statement about the destruction the current administration has unleashed on the country and its people. State of the Union, STFU, speaks truth to power while urging people to fight against racism, injustice, and oppression with their vote. Now, speaking about the song, Chuck D says, Our collective voices keep getting louder. The rest of the planet is on our side. But it's not enough to talk about change. You have to show up and demand change. Folks gotta vote like their lives depend on it. Cause it does. If Flavor Flav added, Public Enemy tells it like it is, it's time for him to G-O, go, in capital letters. Alright, now again, check out the show description. I'm gonna have a link to this release, to the song, video, and also a couple of my favorite Public Enemy songs. So uh, make sure you check it out. There's much more ahead on the Recosto Podcast. And that's going to do it for episode 12 of the Recca Stowe podcast. Not sure if I should do an episode 13 or if I should call it something. Well, we'll figure it out. But listen, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Special thanks to our guest for this episode, Kevin Bobbitt, director and founder of KCSSU. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe. Really, really, really appreciate your support. Again, uh, support that organization. Uh, it's working hard to make lives better for young African Americans. And again, you help out somebody in one community. Uh, they learn and do great things. Spreads to your community. So it's a great thing. And we're gonna we're gonna turn this thing around and make uh, make the whole world a much more open, honest, better place for everyone. Also, make sure you check the show description. Lots of links to good, good stuff that we talked about on the show and uh, some links to music that we discussed. So please, like, share, subscribe, tell your friends, uh, listen to it while you walk, jog, uh, play. Just make sure uh, you help me get it out there. Thanks for stopping by the Wreck of Stone.